0: Welcome to another episode of the Double Comma Club with your host, Nicole Ruth of the Ruth Team, the number one lending team in Colorado. There are a lot of conversations right now about a housing bubble, right? What's the Fed gonna do with rising interest rates? The PCE inflation number just came out. And just this morning, we got the unemployment number. I wanna talk about, are we headed into a recession? Are we headed off the cliff with a housing bubble? And what is the key to getting under contract this weekend before rates continue to go up and before prices continue to go up? So that's a lot. If you're a real estate agent and you're watching this, you know that I send out a Saturday blog every morning or every Saturday morning. Uh, I will be talking about the bubble, the recession, and the keys to unlocking getting under contract. What are we talking about? Because the headlines are crazy right now, especially when you have an arm of the Fed coming out saying that we're heading into a housing bubble. Now, they use some specific data that you could read and go, is this really a bubble? They believe it's a bubble, so how could it not be a bubble? I mean, they're intelligent, right? But it's how you read the data that they're using given the situation, the environment we're in today. So let's start out with the bubble conversation. I wanna highlight a couple of things that are key as we're going into this weekend, we're having conversations with buyers who are afraid to get under contract because I don't wanna buy at the top, right? I mean, who wants to buy right before the prices drop? If everything's gonna be on sale tomorrow, I'm not going shopping today. That's how it works. So I'm going to wait until the prices drop. Meanwhile, the interest rates are continuing to go up and home prices are continuing to go up. When we're seeing 21% increase in appreciation here in the Denver market, sitting on the sidelines paying 15.5% more in rent is costing you more and more, while the opportunity cost is also costing you more and more. The real cost and the opportunity cost. So by the time you finally get on the train, (laughs) the train, It's already gone, like, halfway across the United States, right? Like, you got to hop on. All right, so the bubble. God, I love this conversation because it's so ridiculous. But I get it. Everybody's got an opinion. Um, And it was so funny because I did that YouTube video. One of the comments was, you can't ask, what did he say? You can't ask an alcoholic when is enough to drink. So right? So you can't ask a real estate agent or a lender if it's actually time to get out of the market because we're always going to say get in the market. Uh, I get that. That was actually a fair comment. It kind of made me think for a little bit. I said, am I biased in my opinion? I am. I'm biased in my opinion for a reason other than the fact that I need a deal. Like I don't need a deal. I want every deal because I want... The opportunity that I didn't grow up knowing I want as many people to have the opportunity to build stability and long-term generational wealth using real estate. Stock market goes up and down. Bitcoin goes up and down. The Even raw materials and gold and speculative investments go up and down, right? So I can lose money in anything I put my money in. But the difference between real estate and all those other things, if I put $30,000 in any one of those other things, I could lose all $30,000. If I put $30,000 and I use the power of leverage and I buy something that's $600,000 and I turn that into a rental and I have other people because I provide a good, safe place to live. I have other people paying my mortgage, paying down my principal. I only put that same $30,000 on it somebody else is paying down that principal, that home is appreciating, and I'm getting principal reduction, and at some point, I'm gonna start getting rental income, right? I mean, I'm gonna get rental income either right away because the cash flow is positive, or maybe it just breaks even, and I'm gonna get rental income once that loan is paid off. But it's all about options. If I lose that $30,000 because I threw it on a bad stock, and I my chooser is so broken, right? I'm not choosing the right stocks, So if I choose the wrong stock and I lose all 30,000, I've got to save another 30,000 to do it again or whatever that number is. If I put $30,000 into a $600,000 house and that $600,000 house loses $30,000 of value and now it's worth 570, what really am I out? I'm I'm out $30,000 of equity based on using a loan and putting money, yeah, I get it. If I think, well, I put 30,000 in, I have a loan, for five hundred and seventy, so yeah, I lost my thirty thousand dollars that I put in. But do I realize that loss? So if I lost on the stock market, I got to start over. But if I lose in real estate, I just have to hold on. All the people that lost so much in value in two thousand six, if they held on, per FHFA, which is conforming loans, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, the home price index in the Denver market is up a hundred. And 51%, 151%, all I had to do was not sell. And I get the fact that some people had uh, no choice and and lost their homes during that time. But the option, if I had the option, I just had to hang on, drop the rent, keep people in there, float the rent, do whatever it took, hold on. Because over time, values always go up and while the values are going through any ups and downs, somebody else using rental income is paying down my mortgage. That's why it's not the same. It's not the same as asking an alcoholic when is enough to drink, right? It's different. Yes, I'm biased. But I'm biased because I'm passionate to help people who look at it strategically, right? Not with this throw caution to the wind, I'm gonna buy three homes at the same time putting no money down and I don't even have a job because I use stated income. Not speculative. When you have somebody in a risk-based environment, especially today, it's a different kind of demand. So, today, we don't have speculative demand. We don't. We don't have somebody that's closing on one house with zero down and then goes across the hallway and does it again based on stated income, stated assets, right? And then maybe they do it again. So we had people buying multiple homes during that time. We had builders building spec homes during that time. We had people buying way more than they could afford. Today, that's not the case. Our average loan to value on our purchases here in the Denver market is 72%. That means that people are putting 28% down on average our average credit score is 739. 739 average credit score? That's brilliant. If you look at the breakdown, and I'll have this in the Saturday blog, if you look at the breakdown of the credit scores from 2006 to today, we are majority over 720. Very little below or in the 600s, right? And obviously. My heart goes to first-time homebuyers, I want to help you. We have free credit repair. We can do all the things to get your credit score up and get you an interest rate that gets you into a home. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is risk. And the risk today is so much lower because of that swing. And that chart will be in Saturday's email. Incredibly strong argument to what we have today is not speculative, but a strong, fundamentally financially sound demand right? We have 0.2% foreclosures nationwide. We have 1.6% of past dues here in Colorado. 1.6% of our homes are 30 days. The mortgages are 30 days past due 30 days past due. That does not mean pre foreclosure. That simply means somebody's transitioning a job, got a little behind, came off of any of the forbearances back to paying their mortgage. They're not in risk of default. Right. That's that's not where we're going. And it's only one point six percent of the homes anyway. And nationwide, we have more than a third of our homes have no mortgage at all. And if I take all the homes, I have sixty nine point two percent equity position. That means I have a loan to value average of just over 30 percent. I don't have to lose my house to foreclosure. I don't have to have a massive swell of homes that are on for sale, fire sale, because all of these foreclosures are trying to, they just got received by the bank. They're trying to dump them as inventory, trying to get, lenders aren't landlords. We don't want to own property. So if a bank had a bunch of foreclosures, it was going to try to unload those at discount prices. We can't have that because I'm not going to unload anything. I'm just going to sell it, right? If I have that kind of equity, I don't even understand where those 0.2 people are. (laughs) Like, who's the 0.2% that are going into foreclosure? Why aren't they just selling? They don't know. They don't know that they have equity in their homes. And maybe there's a few areas, right? Location, location, location. I get that. There are some areas of the United States that will see a decline in values, 100%. I don't deny that for a second. There are some areas of the country that went too far up that will come back to a relative normal and then start to do their traditional normal trajectory, right? Whatever that is. Like in Oklahoma, it's like 3.6, right? So I, can't, I always be up on Oklahoma, my poor husband. But if they're seeing increased appreciation and we start to tailor that back down as supply comes in, and because all you see is farmland and I can build and build for miles around, then you're gonna start to see that appreciation slow down as interest rates continue to rise. And that appreciation level is gonna go back towards normalizing. But some metros are gonna continue to be hot because the demand continues to be stronger than we can build our way out of and we can't. We can't build our way out of this. So when you have that kind of strong, fundamentally financially sound demand, you don't have speculative demand, which is what we had in 2006, we just can't hit a bubble. We just can't hit a bubble. So I'm I'm done talking about bubbles. So let's talk about the um, PCE came out yesterday and the unemployment number came out this morning. Uh, So let's talk about why that's important and what that's going to do to where we're headed over the next weekend weeks, right, with interest rates. So the jobs report came out uh, up 431,000, which is just shy of the 500,000 that they had estimated, plus a positive revision of 95,000. What does that mean? It means employment is strong, right? We've had consistent growth. Over the last, I think it's 18 to 24 months, we've had consistent growth. We haven't backtracked. We've had consistent growth in jobs, slowly ticking that unemployment number down. So there's a jobs report and the household report. Two different reports um, uh, documenting how many jobs are created. One does it by business survey and one does it by telephone, right? So we have the household survey, which is by telephone, calling these people. Are you employed? What does that look like? That showed jobs up 736,000 as better, they're always different, right? Doesn't matter, they're pretty close. The labor force was up 418,000, so more people are coming into the labor force. The labor participation rate came up 0.1, meaning people are coming back who were in and got out, right, like this great resignation that we were all talking about, how real was it? How long was it gonna last? People are coming back into the workforce, getting off of unemployment, and you have new workers coming in. So you have both new workers coming in and people coming off of unemployment are coming back into the workforce. So 418,000, participation rate is up. That means unemployment is down to 3.6. 3.6. Unemployment has been 3.6 or lower three times since 1950. Why is that important? Because when you have low unemployment and you can't go any lower, unemployment starts to tick up. At some point, economics is cyclical, right? And at some point, businesses will start to contract. They'll start to lay people off. We're seeing it in the mortgage industry already. These big, massive refinance companies are laying off hundreds. Other companies will start laying off people. We'll start to see that unemployment tick up. Every single time that happens, we're entering into a recession, right? So now the recession conversation is starting. Are we entering into a recession and should I worry about it? And does that mean that we're gonna enter into a housing bubble? Yikes, it's all connected, right? So if we're heading into a recession, should I be worried that we're gonna have a housing bubble? In every recession outside in 1960 where home prices were flat to the last recession in 2006 where home prices were down, we have actually gained, increased our home values. Why? Because interest rates go down in a weak economy. So is this gonna be a weak economy? This, the economy has been on fire and interest rates have been down artificially because the Fed dropped the Fed rate and pushed too much liquidity into the market. Now they're pulling all that back. We know that I've talked about that a ton, not this time. right? We know all about the Fed story. So we had too much liquidity, interest rates were too low, it actually created a revival in the economy, which is now starting to slow down because of this lack of supply. We had a lack of supply, which was pushing up the prices of everything. The PCE just came out at 6.4, the highest it's been since 1984, right? That's high. And remember, the CPI is even higher. So this is a PCE that the feds are using to measure inflation. So the PCE is, is high. You can't tell me you're not feeling that right when you go to the gas station when you go to the grocery store when you try to go on vacation when you order food at a restaurant everything costs more savings is down income is up nationwide it's up 5.4% I think is what I just read this morning here in Colorado we're up 5.8% our wages year over year that's good. But it doesn't keep up with the kind of inflation we're seeing so people are having a hard time saving so now they're having to make choices what do i spend my money on right that's where demand is going to start to soften slightly americans love to spend we just do it's just who we are right so we will keep buying and we see the value in home ownership especially the value in owning a home as an investment as a offset to inflation we know that. We have massive numbers of homes. The majority of homes are locked in under 4%. I'm not gonna sell that home. I'm gonna convert it into a rental to hedge against inflation, right? But now where do I spend my money? So all of this is happening. So we got the PCE up, we've got unemployment low, The Fed's got to do something. And they had said, we're going to raise it seven more times, right? We had six meetings left this year, one in the next year. We're going to raise it seven more times. One of those is probably going to be 50-bip raise. More than like the majority of them are going to be a quarter raise. We have Bank of America came out, Chase came out saying that they expect them to be higher. Now, today, with this number, we're expecting the Fed rate to raise it 50 bips this next meeting. And maybe 50 bips, again, the following meeting. So does that mean the rates are going to go up? Right, because I'm dealing with higher home prices. I'm dealing with affordability. I'm trying to get out there and buy a home. I've made my choice. I have limited funds. I've saved this much. I want to buy into real estate. Our interest rates going to go up further, right? The Fed rate is going to go up further. The Fed has a target of two percent by the end of this year, three percent by the end of next year. And if that happens, you can expect those HELOC rates. So when the Fed rate is three percent, HELOC rates based on prime are gonna be around six. I have conversations every single day. Should I do a cash out refinance? Should I consider a HELOC or a home equity line of credit? I'd like to invest in real estate, but my money is in the equity in my home because we've all been blessed these last two years. Every single day. And there's not a right answer. There are options, right? There are options. Sometimes a HELOC is the absolute best answer. And sometimes it is the worst answer, depending on your income stream, and how much flexibility you have in being able to pay off that HELOC debt because it moves every single month. That interest rate continues to move monthly and you're gonna see those daily spikes in your interest, which is gonna cause that payment to go up, which is gonna hurt your budget, right? That's, that's scary to me, because that's where we're headed, the short-term rates. The two and 10 year are about to invert too. So we talked about the unemployment being at its lowest, this with the fed raising the fed rate which is raising short-term rates the long-term rates like the fact that the fed is attacking inflation so it's starting to settle those two the two-year and 10-year are 0.1 percent not even 0.01 percent off from one another super super close right so what if we go into a recession let's finish this and then let's get into the keys of how we get under contract this weekend so what if we go into a recession? Because I'm, I'm reading all this data and I feel like we're going to go into a recession and I'm really worried that this means that we're going to go into a housing bubble. A recession, by its definition, is two consecutive quarters of GDP decline. That's it. That's all it means. It doesn't mean housing bubble. It doesn't mean that we're going to go into a depression. It just means a two consecutive quarters of GDP decline. Meaning, we need to see spending slow down, let inventory catch up, and allow us to get to a balanced market in housing, in oil and gas, right? We're hearing about that with the president is, uh, fine, <laughs> I, I think of these bunkers. When I hear that the president has all this oil and reserves, I'm like, what deep, you know, underground bunker, is all these barrels of oil. I created this whole visual in my head that's probably 100% wrong. Um. And it just scares me that we even have that. We have to let oil supply catch up. We have to let car supply catch up. We had to let microchip supply catch up and lumber and labor and all the things, right? I mean, you still have massive cities in China shutting down due to the pandemic. I mean, the supply is an issue because of COVID, because of the war going on, because of the continued shutdowns. Supply needs a break. It just needs a break. And I can't get a break on supply if I don't get everybody to slow down on their spending. So these higher interest rates are exactly what the doctor ordered. It's going to create a little bit of a gap between I want and I must. <laughs> I, I want it, I must have it. Slow down, slow down, pull back. Don't spend as much, save a little because now I'm getting better interest rates in my savings account. So now maybe I'm gonna save a little Spend a little less, try to get in front of this. So, we're gonna let supply catch up. We're gonna spend a little less, and we're gonna get into more of a balanced market. Now, real estate in the Denver market is not balanced, and it hasn't, and it hardly is ever balanced, right? But I just like to get more than four days on market. So, we get a little more inventory. Everybody gets a little bit more time to look, and maybe they can even go twice before they had to put in an offer $150,000 over asking. Right. Little less demand is created because of the rise in interest rates. When we saw interest rates go up to five percent in 2018, we saw the resulting inventory in the dmar 11 county area increase about a thousand. Right. It didn't increase to 30,000. It increased to a thousand. So we're talking about moderation. We're not talking about extremes. All right. Recession is OK. It just means that we slow down our spending a little bit and allow the supply to catch up. The increase in interest rates is going to allow us to do that. People are going to be more choosy about what they spend. They're going to save a little bit more because they're making more interest in their savings accounts. All of these things are good, allowing the supply chain to catch up and allowing the economy to get back on track. Think of it more as a cleanse. Good cleanse, it's like a three-day cleanse, right? It's not like a 30-day cleanse. It's not going to kill everybody because I'm going to start eating the nubs, my fingers down to the nubs because I'm so hungry. It's like a three-day cleanse. Like, if we need this. Interest rates going up. It should not be scary. So how do I get under contract this weekend, right? Because interest rates are still higher. Home prices are still going up higher. We're still getting people that are putting multiple offers in on homes. What are some tools that the root team is giving their clients, right? How can I help you help get people under contract? Very first thing, weekend support, right? We are there. My team is not taking time off. Our team uh, watches the phone seven days a week. You need listing agent calls, you need new lender letters, you need updated numbers, you need to know what today's number is based on today's interest rate and what can I put an offer in on, we've got your back. My cell phone is literally tethered to me. It is literally tethered to us. We're here, we are here. We've got your back, we're going to make sure we're calling you, uh, or calling the listing agent to get you in. But... What is really the key is the TBD, right? So the TBD is going to unlock. So half of my pipeline is TBDs. So TBD is to be determined address. So it means that we fully underwritten the borrower, that we're ready to go. Biggest thing, 8 to 10 day closings, right? 8 to 10 day closings. That is dang near as fast as cash. It is as fast as cash. Now, if you got a jumbo, we're talking about three weeks. You got a condo, we're talking about three weeks. We got to get all the condo docs. But if it's a single family home and I've got all your docs or it's a townhome, we're going to close you as quickly as possible. If I get the HOA docs like in two days, so sometimes I can pay for a rush, I'll get you closed faster. Right. That's the win. That's the win. On top of that, $15,000 earnest money guarantee. What does that mean? That means yours truly right here is personally, I am putting my money where my mouth is. If I tell you that your borrower is fully pre-underwritten and approved and ready to go put in an offer and anything around the loan, now they go lose their job or they get a bunch of medical collections, that's a different story. But if their financials are the same as when we approve them, there's no reason that they shouldn't close. And if they don't, I will personally cover $15,000 of their earnest money and we can put that in the contract. The other thing, so Fairways Cash Guarantee. We need to put that in the offers. So what does that mean? So cash guarantee, what does that mean? It's not a cash buy, but I'm going to talk about cash buying bridge loan in just a second. So cash guarantee simply means that if for any reason we have a fully TBD approval, you waive loan availability, we can get you under contract, Fairway is going to buy that house on the closing date if for any reason the buyer backs out or can't close. That's a big deal. So now you're like, okay, but... Fairway is going to cover up to the appraised value, right? And you're like, well, but they offered $100,000 over asking. Well, here's the win. That buyer has an appraisal gap. They have verified funds for that $100,000. They have every intention to make that up. They've made their earnest money go hard. They've waived loan availability. They have done the appraisal gap. All of that is there, right? You have the full assurity that that buyer is all in. But then behind that, we say, okay, and then Fairway's gonna pay for it for cash. And for some reason, that buyer gets cold feet or disappears or can't close. Well, if that buyer got cold feet or disappears or can't close, you're getting the earnest money either way, but that buyer would have been gone. Now, Fairway's gonna come in and buy that house. Only 16% of the homes in the Denver market have appraisals that are coming in low. You have an 84% chance. That's a non-issue. That appraisal is coming in at the contract price. So you've got 100% surety that you're closing on that date, either through that lend or through that borrower or with cash. And if you are one of the 16%, which is clearly a low number, then Fairway will pay you $10,000 to walk away, if you want to walk away, right? You don't want to sell it to them. You want to put it back on the market. Great, we'll we'll pay you $10,000 for wear and tear and time and, and you can go put your house back on the market. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. And then last one, bridge and cash. Personally, I have money set aside and we have been doing this for bridge loans. If you need to buy before you sell, your house is on the market, but it's closing after and your money is in the equity of the home, I will personally put together a lien on that home that you're selling for the cash to purchase the new home. You have to be able to afford all three loans, the old loan, the bridge loan, and the new loan, but this gives you options. And then if we have a fully TBD underwritten home and we need to look at a cash option, we have a small amount of options available for that as well. I've told my team I'm not going uh, statewide with this, but I've got some availability to cash if you need to go in and pay quickly. And that TBD buyer is going to turn around and buy that home with a loan. You've been listening to The Double Comma Club. Never miss an episode. Subscribe at thedoublecommaclub.com to hear more success stories and to get free tips on how you can get on the path to becoming a millionaire through real estate at any age. Remember, visit thedoublecommaclub.com and subscribe.